first and foremost, welcome to Sasquatch Podcast. We are very excited to have you here with us today. And I think we'd actually like to turn the tables to you right away and let you introduce yourself as you'd like to be introduced. Yeah, thank you. I'm I'm excited to be on the podcast too. I'm my name is Quincy Fast. I run for the Saskatchewan Huskies. Um, yeah, that's about it. I'm a middle distance runner based out of Saskatoon. Based in Saskatoon. So I guess one of our first questions is, tell us about how you first started running and what got you started in the sport of track and field? Yeah, so originally I played I played soccer growing up, played a little bit of hockey too, but just kind of these endurance-based sports. And I, I kind of noticed I was better at the endurance aspects of the sport, maybe not so much the technical aspects. And once I got into high school, my coaches kind of encouraged me to join track and field and then i uh, had some friends that were involved with riversdale athletics club and the coach approached me and asked if i wanted to be a part and it kind of just tumbled from there so joined riversdale athletics club and i was part of that club all of high school and then yeah so you started in grade nine i started with riversdale in grade 10 but i, I ran mm -hmm. high school track for walter murray in grade nine Awesome. Well, okay. So since you've brought up Riversdale, um, was that 2019 where uh, Riversdale traveled to Kenya? Is that Kenya? Yes, that was the uh, spring of 2019. Uh, we traveled oh. to Kenya. Awesome. Could you tell us a little bit about um, that experience? Because you would have been how old? I would have been 18. Wow. Yeah, just turned 18. Yeah, tell us a little bit about traveling to Kenya um, with Riversdale Athletics Club and just about the training and, yeah, just everything that you guys had planned for that training camp. Yeah, that was uh, definitely an exciting experience and opportunity that uh, our coach, Rossanne Edwards, kind of came across. And at first, it was just one of her crazy ideas that she has, but then it kind of came into fruition. and it it ended up happening and it was crazy and so we we stayed in this camp called the kenya experience so we had um kind of these coaches and pacers that were involved with our with our trip and we had basically dorm rooms that we lived in in etan kenya so it's like a very olympic like village like there's a lot of um professional athletes training out of this village and um professional uh resources and yeah it was probably the first time i i realized i wanted to take running to the next level and because i i got to surround myself with a lot of professional athletes that dedicate their entire lives to running and it was just so much fun that i was like this is what i want to do with my life and yeah and i have to ask so pretty prestigious place you got to go to also at altitude how did altitude affect you when you were 18. yeah so we spent two and a half weeks training there so it took us a while to acclimatize it was uh i think almost eight thousand feet so it was it was the real deal and the coaches there were very careful with uh kind of periodizing our training plan while we were there because they didn't want any of us to get sick or or exhausted or burnt out but post kenya the effects of altitude 
I, I was hitting some really fast times, maybe two weeks post Kenya, some of my fastest times of the year that probably got me noticed by a couple of colleges. And, but then you can't, I didn't really hold that peak very long. So the rest of the summer was almost like a burnout for me, but immediately after Kenya, there was lots of positive results. And I think that was due mostly to the altitude. Wow. What an exciting opportunity at that age to travel Kenya and train with all of those athletes. That's so cool. So you brought up uh, some colleges noticing you in around that time when you came back from altitude. So um, can you tell us a little bit about that recruitment process um, when you were choosing um, schools and just how you landed upon, you know, going down to an NCAA school? Yeah, I remember that process being very stressful in the moment. I think uh, a lot of high school athletes are obviously super passionate about that like recruiting experience and it can be become pretty stressful. Um, I was looking at a ton of schools, like mostly in Can West, but I was also kind of looking beyond Canada. And I had probably emailed 50 different NCAA schools that I heard um, either good things about or programs that I knew athletes were attending and were there I, any top uh, top schools that you were hoping to hear back from when you were looking international yeah I I mean obviously I was emailing like Oregon and Arkansas all these like famous programs but definitely no re responses there I ended up getting one response from the University of Montana and that was literally the only response I got out of the 50 emails and they flew me out for a visit and my, my hosts when I was visiting were super cool guys and I really loved the program and I really loved the scenery. It uh, can be compared to like Banff in terms of like skiing and trails and altitudes. So I was really digging the scenery and yeah, I ended up committing probably a couple of weeks after Kenya. So one altitude training camp led to an almost altitude-based school because isn't Montana also a tad bit at altitude in the mountains? Yeah. There? So like we live at about the same altitude as Calgary, so 3,300 feet. But then we do a lot of training between 4,000 and 5,000 feet, which is a pretty ideal height for middle distance training. Awesome. That's really cool. Um, so you committed to Montana. That was, uh, what year would that have been? 2019. 2019. Yeah. All right. 2019 was a big year for you then. Yeah. And what did you end up studying it when you were first going to school? Like what was, was, were you going to school for sport or were you going to school for some of the academic pieces or what, where were you going with the education side of things too? Yeah. So the first year and a half, in Montana, I was an undeclared major, so I was just taking electives and kind of finding out what I want to do. And I ended up going into integrative physiology, which is essentially what they call kinesiology here in Saskatchewan. But yeah, for a year or two, I was very unsure of what I wanted to do. And I was um, purely just pursuing athletics. 
but then I, you meet some professors and you get a little passion about the school too and ended up in kinesiology. Amazing. So then, I mean, Sasquatch has maybe been creeping results for over a year or so. And I'm going to admit that I had a large part of that. So I know you ended up having a pretty stellar outdoor season this past year. Um, namely, including going sub 150 in your 800, um, also getting to race at Hayward Field. So I, I, I do have the question. Do you feel like you got to experience the Eugene Hayward magic while you were there racing? I um I definitely got to experience the atmosphere, but in terms of performance, when I was in Eugene, it was it was very, fairly early in the season, and um, the results were they were improving, but they weren't PBs by any stretch. But the the atmosphere was amazing, and I'd love to have the opportunity to go back to Hayward. That's amazing. Um, but you did have some stellar performances. I'm wondering if you could tell us about one of your races, and I'm going to exempt you from talking about your recent 1K, because I do want to chat about that mm. one in a little bit here. So what would, if that's your top one, what would be another most memorable race in your time in the NCAA program? Yeah, I mean, my most memorable race has got to be the, the 149-800 down in California. It was... Um, it was a monkey that was on my back all of college. My my coach was really stressing that, you know, results needed to start coming in my career. Like he's seen me train and he was talking about, you know, you got a good scholarship, but we need to start running those sub 150s if you want to keep it. So there was a lot of pressure going into that race because I knew it was an opportunity that that could have a 149 in it. So. That race was pretty special for me because it felt like maybe two to three years of thinking I could run 149 basically every time I towed the line to actually doing it and getting the monkey off the back. So that was a pretty special moment. And I got to experience it with some close friends of mine. And yeah. Walk us through that race day. So you're you wake up, you're you're going to the track. How are you feeling that day? Are you nervous? Are you super calm? Are you really excited? Walk us through that and then walk us through the race. We would love to hear the inside of like what's going on in Quincy's mind in that breakthrough race for you. Yeah, so pre-race for me is just, I am trying my best to be as relaxed as possible because I get really stressed out before big races like that. So I'm listening to the lo-fi beats or or podcasts it's not no pump up music for me before the race i'm just trying to relax and then yeah the actual race i um i wasn't expecting this one like i thought if i ran 149 that'd be that'd be pretty surprising because my fitness was it was still pretty early in the season it was like six weeks before our championship season so i was like hitting pretty hard base training at that point but I was still given this opportunity to go to California. So I was going to go for 149, whether I was fit for it or not. And we ended up opening up in 56.5. So we were on pace for 152, 153. And then kind of the entire field just started picking up the pace every 100 meters going into the finish. And I wasn't really thinking about time because I saw my 400 split 
and I assumed that 149 was out of the picture. But then we really started rolling, and then I could see the clock of 100 meters to go, and I was like, shoot, I just need a 13. I can run a 13. And I just hung on to the guys that also went 149 in the race. And yeah, it was a pretty special moment. I even threw my arms up in the air through the finish, even though I got like fourth in the in the heat. But hey, you're still allowed to celebrate. PBs are worth the celebration. It's so. still, yeah, I was <laughs> gonna say that's definitely still worth celebrating. Was um, your coach at that meet with you, who was sort of giving you the the nudges of trying to push towards that benchmark? No, the the funny thing about this meet is, it was only me and a, a steeplechase runner and a few throwers. So the only coach that came on the trip was the throw coach. And um, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was at the bar while I was racing. So it was just me and my teammate, Joel. We had to, we had to Uber to the meet even from the hotel. Oh yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so you and Joel had the celebratory. <laughs> we yeah. just won 50 yeah. Park. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I have a, a, qu a quick question too. Um, I mean, I'm mainly a sprinter. I, but I, you know, since Sasquatch, I've definitely been diving more into the med mid distance stuff and learning a lot about it. Um, so do you ever run 15s as well? The 1500? Yeah. I, my original background was long distance and then kind of over the years, I've been slowly progressing into an 800 meter runner. So in my early college days, I was running a lot of 1500s and mm -hmm. I would say that was my, my best event until last summer. Okay. So you've gravitated more towards the 800. Um, and so is there sort of like a distinct difference between the 800 and the 1500 that you want to talk about? Yeah. Well, for me, when I'm trying to peak for either the 1500 or the 800, my, my training differs quite a bit. Like currently with my focus being the 800, my mileage is, is relatively lower than it would be when I was training for a 1500 and I'd be hitting a lot more tempo efforts in my workouts, training for a 15 rather than a, than an eight, but being fit for one, you can always kind of fake the other. So, it's not it's not always night and day like that but do you have a preference racing either of them like i i do run the eight but the 15 i have i will pace people like k into it but i have no desire to actually complete a 1500 <laughs> do you do you have a preference for which of those races you like because clearly you've actually finished the 15 and some have quite some pretty good times behind your name um walk us through do you have a first first choice eight or the 15 yeah definitely i i hate the 1500 uh, it is the <laughs> most painful <laughs> you get the lactic from the 800 and you get the the long hurt from the 3k and just all in one it's just it's the worst event i think but yeah the 800 is definitely a lot more fun and probably my, my favorite event I like that answer because it aligns with my answer to a question along those lines. Um, but yeah, so I guess then, so you got to have this really cool experience with Ross Ann sort of orchestrating this Kenya trip for you. It ends up landing you at an NCAA school where you're starting to put yourself to make some decisions on life of, okay, maybe kinesiology is the direction you want to go. 
Um, in our following of Sasquatch, we also noticed that you made the move back home to Saskatoon. Can you tell us a little bit about what went into making that decision and sort of what was the draw to come compete for the Saskatchewan Huskies? Yeah, so that decision was quite recent in my career and it was quite a big decision that had a lot of factors kind of going into it. So I was going to say, you hit your benchmark for your previous scholarship. It sounds like you hit the sub 150. <laughs> yeah. So I, I originally signed with Montana and I have a coach. Her name was uh, Marin Lowry and we, we got along really well and she was a really good coach and still a really big mentor for me, but she ended up taking a, a full-time position at a school in Alabama. So then I had her for two years in Montana. And then the next year I had this coach that I wasn't clicking so well with, like um, he was a decorated uh, cross country coach, but I was his first ever middle distance athlete. So we were kind of, I was kind of the guinea pig for him. And although I did see success later in my season when I ran 149, but leading up to that, I was I was having some tr troubles for sure. I ran 155 as my best time indoor that year. And that was one of the slowest times I ran since grade 10 or 11. So I was getting a little bit worried there. And uh, so with that, I was also I was already thinking like, man, like maybe I should maybe I should transfer. But then kind of nearing the end of track season our program ended up having these budget cuts and all of our coaching staff got fired my coach quit and then all the other coaching staff got fired and our budget got cut a lot so it kind of just left montana track and field with a bunch of question marks and a lot of my teammates left knowing this and i happened to be one of them that also left and, that's, that's uh, a lot when there's a lot of admin changes in the background and especially if it sounds like you had that really great relationship with your your first coach and second coach is coming in maybe isn't clicking plus now there's maybe some financial questions plus now you might not even have a team it sounds like it, just the uncertainty of that team moving forward so yeah that, that i understand why you were in a decision making process um mm -hmm. i guess with that all happening what was sort of the pull to look at the Canadian scene instead of finding another school on the NCAA scene? Yeah, so I, I entered the transfer portal to the NCAA and I was I was exploring all those options. And in my head, I was, I was pretty sold on staying in the NCAA. And um, not until I came back to Saskatoon, I went to Langley for track and field nationals. And I was staying in an Airbnb with the, the Huskies, their distance squad. And I just had a lot of fun that weekend. And I was, uh, I remember having a conversation with the captain, Troy Tempraninsky, you guys might know him. And he just like fired me up and convinced me to come back to Can West, come back to my roots and, and see if we can, uh, if we can get some Can West medals together. And uh, he was one of my former teammates and he went to Kenya with us as well. So he kind of sold me on the idea of coming back for two years and doing what I can in youth sports. And yeah, it convinced me and I was excited about the opportunity and I, I signed. So and the rest is history. And then yeah. you're back. 
So we we welcomed you back home with open arms. Now look at you, killing it. Thank you, Trey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, you're back now. You're back in Saskatoon. um, And currently ranked second in the country. Um, So yeah, I mean, that's pretty exciting. And we're also going to be hosting Ken West right here at home in Saskatoon and U Sports. So are you excited about competing for your first time here on home turf? And can you just talk about what you're most excited for? Yeah, competing at home for Ken West and U Sports was it's, yeah, it's a huge deal for me because a lot of my family is from Saskatoon and it was a big factor in actually wanting to come back this season and competing this season because I I thought about redshirting just because uh, to save a year for eligibility because I'll be in school a little bit longer. But when I found out that Can West and U Sports is at home, I just I knew I couldn't miss this opportunity. That's amazing. Can we sneak peek? Do we get to know this? Do you do you have your events picked out already? Is there any doubles that we should be having our eyes out for? Or is that still to be confirmed? <laughs> yeah, so I'll be running the four by eight and the one K on day one, and then I'll be going after the fifteen hundred day two for all right. probably You're both. Do all of them. We love yeah. that. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. I do want to ask, so Boston, that 1K, how did that feel? 222. That's a big yeah, that was... moment. Tell us, tell us about leading into it. I, I've seen you were gritting through a cross-country season and on the Canadian circuit, so the weather is definitely not as not as glamorous as say California or Hayward. <laughs> um, but yeah, cross-country and now you're in indoor season, blazing 222 1K at the Boston track. Tell us what got you to that. Yeah, that was in in the works for a long time. We've been me and Jamie, my head coach, have been talking about kind of when I'm going to be running standard this season back in cross country. And we decided to kind of take cross country as just base training and only do a few workouts during cross country with the team and just kind of ramping up my training. And we were talking about maybe the opportunity of going to Boston for the Valentine invite and what he wanted me to run one two twenty two and said, like, we're going to, we're going to train like you're a 222 guy and then second week of february we'll we'll go and run it so basically time wise yes it looked like a breakthrough but you know it was all part of the plan to run 222 second week of february and it was just happy that i had the opportunity to to go do it yeah that's so february second second month second yes. week of the year <laughs> Yeah, to run the one K and two, 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 two. Sounds like two is your number there. Um, <laughs> how did that race feel? Because I know you mentioned in your eight hundred breakthrough, it was you went through slow and then ramped up, ramped up, ramped up in that last lap there because you're outdoors. So for an indoor one K, walk us through how that race went for you. Yeah, so that was also um, an interesting one. I was there was a couple of professional athletes in the field, and I. Um, I knew Drew Piazza, New Balance professional athlete. I knew he he wanted to go for sub 220. And we got off the line and I kind of snuck right behind Drew. And 
I noticed that we weren't going that fast, but I was like, I can't really pass Drew Piazza. Like he's he's the man they made this race for this weekend. So I just sat on him and we kind of go through 800. I was like 155.5 through 800, which is relatively slow if I wanted to run standard. But I just stayed patient and, and just stared at the back of Drew's head. And we ended up moving really fast in that last lap. And I was pretty shocked when the clock said 222 because of the, the 800 split that I saw. I, I thought I'd have to really gun it to get the standard, but yeah, ended up working well. And, and maybe I'm just, I run my best races when, mm. when we have the opportunity to close fast. So the 220, yeah, that 222.13 actually gives you the University of Saskatchewan Husky record for those of you who are listening. So you're the, the uh, record holder for the Huskies now. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm not actually sure if you know this information. A few years back, I'm almost certain Brian Thompson put a hit on the Husky record. I think it was the thousand, but I might not be. I might not be right on that. There was a few um, events where I think him and maybe a few other alumni put a thousand dollar hit on the Husky record. Did anybody tell you that? No, no, I never heard about that. Okay, well now you're talking, Brian Thompson. It might be payday, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I don't know if there was an expiry date or like an expiry time for when this were to happen. I might be giving people some new information, but I'm telling you this right now. He made this promise, if you will, publicly in front of a few people. I'm pretty sure it was at one of the um, uh, the Husky Galas. So it would have been somewhere near the end of my, uh, my time with the Husky. So it might have been my fourth or fifth year. Um, but he was at the gala, and I am almost certain the 1,000 meter was one of them. So congratulations if that's the case. <laughs> if not, I might be wrong, but um, there might be a few other people who witnessed this too. But yeah, did you know about it? Did anyone tell you? No, nobody told me about that. Yeah. We'll have to get some verification from Brian Thompson. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Stay tuned for further outreach. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> might, have, might be $1,000 richer. <laughs> We're going to follow up with Brian to find out about this. Can West is next weekend. How excited are you? I know before today's call, you were working on some team bonding events with your team. How it, tell us about your team. How is the team shaping up, heading into a home meet for Can West in preparation for you sport? What is, what is the vibe like in Saskatoon? Yeah, we're fired up. Like every workout, you can just, you can feel the energy throughout the, throughout the team. and um especially this guys team right now we're we're kind of a smaller group than previous years is what i hear but just we're so tight-knit and we're ready to to dog our way to a few points and we're going for that win and we know we can do it as a team and we're we're super excited to do it at home in front of the fans and get another banner up there cool. bringing home the banner we love to hear it so I just very quickly brought up the Husky records. I might be wrong <laughs> because Brian has the record in the 600 meter. I thought he had the record in the thousand. So it might've been the 600 that he put that hit on. 
Um, but still, I think it's still worth confirming with Brian Thompson. Because <laughs> maybe he did it anyway on the 1,000, but it's the, it might be the 600. Yeah, and his 600 record is pretty, it's pretty a, raw. Yeah, it's the fast time, 117.06. It was a Canadian record until December, actually, oh, for wow. indoors. Maybe we're going to see you drop down to the 600 in your final year as a Husky athlete. Yeah, if it, if it means $1,000, I might have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, looks like your team is ready for Grand West. Um, given you've gotten to travel internationally with your track career, we always like to ask, do you have a favorite track to run on? And if so, which one and why? Favorite track to run on? I, I've been on so many like famous tracks but i think it's got to be the old griffith stadium in saskatoon i don't think it gets better than that that was those were the days we were running fast on that track back in grade nine grade ten yeah what a classic griffith stadium and it was you know what loved that track <laughs> Yeah, I kind of have off memories of it. there. Even being the Regina-based athlete, there there may have been patches at the end that needed some repair, but I I can confirm that is for sure a, a home home heartfelt heartful track to be on. Good very, very nostalgic, um, and even though there were days where there were probably five k wins, <laughs> uh. Yeah, definitely one of I. It just yeah feels like home. I would say with Griffith Stadium track. Yeah, for sure. And then I guess our other question too is: you're kind of midway into your university career. What do you have any next big goals now that you've crossed off your one k check mark and you've gone your sub one fifty eight hundred? Is there any next big goals that you're looking towards? Yeah. So back in cross country it wasn't only our plan to run 222 we we want to win u sports individually in the case so hopefully in three weeks or so we'll have a u sports gold in the 1k and that's that'd be a big goal of mine if and if it doesn't happen this year it'll happen next year and yeah that's the one all right stay tuned for our up and coming u sport champion is on the vision board and it's on the hunt from the huskies i love it yeah, awesome. Um, and I guess sort of our last question we always like to ask folks are um, lots of lessons get learned on the track and field circuit. I was wondering if you could share some wisdom that you've learned in your time as an athlete, whether it was at the NCAA team or with your Husky team already already this, this far into the season. Um, if you had anything you'd like to share about what you've learned about from running. Yeah, for sure. I I think it's important as a as a young distance runner, especially, to be kind of open about different training philosophies. So um, I've been on programs that prioritize mileage, and I've been on programs that prioritize speed, and you know both have their benefits. And I think you just have to be open about learning about different training programs and. Because there's there's so many different approaches you can take to uh, running fast, and I think it's important to try all of them before you know what kind of athlete you really are. And it definitely takes some time, and it takes some scouting out when you're a 
when you're a young athlete and you're trying to figure out where to go to school. And a big part of that is the kind of training program you want to be on. But it's, uh, it's important not to overthink it and just kind of try everything. That's great advice. Great that advice. Useful advice. Great I advice agree. for young athletes. Yeah. So random, but okay, because um, I don't know, you may or may not know this, but I'm going to be doing the live stream announcing for Usport. And I, I don't even know if I'm supposed to, we might have to edit that out. I don't know if I'm supposed to tell people. <laughs> anyway, um, but I've been just like going through results like crazy with a lot of athletes. And I actually wanted to ask you, because I don't know a lot of people with the last name Fast. Any relation to Jamie Fast? No relation to Jamie Fast, although I, I do get that a lot. Okay. I, um, she is my my athletic advisor at the university here. So we've, we've chatted about it, but no, no relation there. You guys brought out the whole family tree. You're like, no, no, really. Yeah. <laughs> no relation whatsoever. Okay, cool. That's good to know. I was just wondering because she did coach me in um, high jump for a couple of years back in the day when I was a multi-event athlete. So I just thought, I don't know, maybe you guys were related in some way. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I know you were busy with team bonding and all your preparations for Can West this upcoming week. So thank you so much for being on our podcast. It's mm -hmm. great to get the scoop on your career and some of the changes you've been through. So thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. There you have it. Quincy Fast, everyone. For those marking your calendars, Can West is scheduled for Friday, February 24th and Saturday, February 25th at the Saskatoon Fieldhouse. For those listening as this was posted, that is also known as this weekend. For schedules and results at Can West, check out PR Athletics' website and be sure to come out and cheer on the athletes at their home conference meet. Good luck to our Saskatchewan athletes, welcome home to our athletes abroad, and welcome to the competition, coaches, and spectators. It's sure to be a busy weekend. Until next time, here's the Sasquatch Podcast. <laughs>